0: This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind Podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with Laura, someone I've got to meet in real life recently, which is super fun. So... Welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am stoked to be here. It's definitely an honor. And um, I'm so glad that I went to the book signing and waited outside until the end when I could finally get in to say hello. Um, Yeah, so let's see. We met at the book signing and I gave you one of my protein bars for my business, which um, was such an honor to be able to do that because that was basically me getting sober allowed me to start a business. And so um, sobriety for me um, was important and it was a much needed thing. I, I, I basically had been a party girl for most of my life. <laughs> um, I feel like from 18 to probably 35. And so I've also worked in the service industry for The majority of that time and the two kind of go hand in hand. Um, And I've done other things as well, other avenues of work, but gosh, let's see. Okay,
0: so yeah, so take us back all the way to the beginning, like your first drink and what that looks like for you.
1: I feel like my first drink was probably at 16 out of someone's parents' liquor cabinet. It was absolutely disgusting. (laughs) Uh, And I don't really think I started drinking um, until my one year of college and had a lot of fun in college. I definitely flunked out due to all of my um, partying. But um, yeah, it just kind of really, I don't think ever ended. Um, I'm a very social person. I love being around people and with friends. I love going out. That's still um, kind of the case today. I'm a bit more of a homebody now, but yeah. And you know, you have a drink, and then you know, one turns into a few, and then um, other things might come into play, which are you know, at the time they feel like fun and it's exciting, but it's really not. Hangovers are never very fun. I don't um, enjoy the blacking out aspect, and um, so I might need a little direction, so sorry (laughs) of like my, with my story. Um, Yeah, so so
0: you were, you had your first drink at 16, didn't taste good, didn't feel good, then you went to college, and your first year in college, was it kind of like, okay, this is good, this is fun, this is helping me, or was it kind of like, how did you feel around about alcohol in college?
1: So it was definitely a fun thing that you did. Everyone drank, so get on the bandwagon of drinking. It was part of that, um, you know, oh, I finally grown up. I can drink now. And even though for most of us when we start college, you're not even 21 yet, so legally you can't, it's just still something that you do. So college ended and um, I ended up working in cosmetics for a long time, which was really fun and continued drinking during that, um, I would say, and then I moved to, to Minnesota and, um, I'm so sorry, and I moved to Minnesota and um, with my parents at the time and stayed with cosmetics, stayed drinking, had so many great friends. Um, and and did your
0: parents drink a lot? Was it something you ended up doing? Uh,
1: my parents did drink. Um, mom enjoys her wine. Stepdad doesn't drink a whole, whole lot. My biological dad, he was never much of a drinker. I i don't even know that I ever saw him touch alcohol, um, but he did end up uh, dating a woman for a very long time who was a severe alcoholic. Um, and seeing that was really, really disheartening. And I am very grateful that I never got to that level, to the waking up in the morning um, needing a beer or some sort of alcohol and then just drinking all day until you pass out. Um, She eventually passed away. It caused a lot of um, havoc on my dad and then he had a stroke and I ended up having to take care of him. So from basically 20, I want to say 9 to about 34, I was taking care of my dad and I partied a lot during that time because I didn't really know how to cope with, um, the severity of what was going on and and the responsibility that was given to me. And I'm grateful to have taken care of my dad. Um, one of the best things that I could have ever done. And it brought us closer together. Uh, we definitely grew apart a bit because of, um, his alcoholic girlfriend and she just required so much of his energy and his time. And, and then when I got back, um, sorry, I should say when I moved to Colorado during towards the end of like my dad getting healthy, I found him a really great home. He allowed me and gave me his blessing to move to Colorado for a bit because I was like, dad, it's been four years. I feel like I need a break. I need something different. And I think a lot of that was deep inside, wanting a change from alcohol, um, definitely wanting a change from having the severity of taking care of dad full time and just needing a new place. But geographically, like I love it here and it's amazing, but it didn't help me at first. Like that wasn't, you know, you can't like grass is green on the other side. No, I still had a lot of self work to do in regards to my relationship with alcohol um, because granted I never felt like I was like a hardcore alcoholic. My party habits had just become so um, consistent when I was younger and then they stayed consistent. And it's unhealthy. Um, I was stuck in the server bartender lifestyle. And so I remember bartending one night um, with a sober bartender, one of the actually like only few, few sober people that I'd met in the service industry um, in about my 16 years of working in that industry. And um, I had gotten back from taking care of dad. Dad had passed away and um, I said, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life now. I was like, I was taking care of dad for five years. That's all I knew. And he said, well, why don't you take care of yourself? And I thought, oh, what a neat idea. Um, But I wasn't ready then. So I still had a lot more partying to do and to get out of my system because it's just what I knew as far as coping mechanisms. And so around, um, let's see, the summer, I should say spring, before I turned 35, I knew that something needed to change. Um, I didn't want to be 40 years old, behind a bar, um, you know, still slinging drinks, And, and to those that do, like, kudos if that's your life path, great, it wasn't mine, and so I took hip sobriety. I didn't finish it. I think I made about 24 days through, and then I thought, okay, let's Let's try this again and it was um around the fall before i turned 35 so september and i started hip sobriety again and that's when holly introduced me to your book this naked mind and i actually did, only got through like the first six, chap- six chapters and i thought holy crap like i really need to make a change like she's so right about all of these things and i i do have power over alcohol like i can take it or leave it. And I can put in the work to to know that I don't need it when I'm at social events. I don't need it when I'm stressed. I don't need it when I'm sad. And so thank you for your book immensely. Um, I've read it again. And I just, I I, I love it. And I I think everyone should read it because it gives, it's such a um, scientific, realistic, honest approach. And it's an approach to rewiring your brain about alcohol in a way that um, I think until probably the last couple of years, no one really knew about, you know, you were, it was so AA and NA driven and then there was smart recovery and there were other things and I've tried them, but they never really, they didn't sit well with me. Um, And so I completed hip sobriety. Um, I got through most of your book, which is great. And, and I had a solid, um, 13 and a half months of self-work, of sobriety, of learning how to cope with um, the good days, the bad days, with meditation and and breathing. Um, I like to joke about how I huff essential oils (laughs) and the calming ones because they are amazing and they help a lot. And, And I was also able to start my business during that time, which is really cool. Green's gone wild. And that's been my third biggest accomplishment, taking care of my father, um, figuring out my relationship with alcohol and starting the business. And I'm so proud of where I was and where I am now. And I'm really grateful um, for women like you in the community because you paved the way for gals who didn't know how or where to figure out, okay, what's the best route for sobriety? Therapy also helped a ton. I have an amazing therapist, I love her so that's kind of my brief short story of of my my time with alcohol yay party girl to now like retired blackout artist Mm -hmm. and CEO um business owner and just someone who really enjoys now being fully present and knowing that i don't need alcohol ever it just doesn't it's not a part of my daily life and it's something that when I look back on, I'm grateful for the time that I spent with alcohol. It was a bit like an abusive relationship because you have the good days with it and then you have the really bad days. But overall, life is glorious and it's beautiful and you really do embrace and and, um, have gratitude for all the small things when you're not spending your time drinking and always partying and then hungover (laughs) a lot of the time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So in your story, when I was reading through it, um, before we got on, one of the things that really struck me about your story specifically was like, the idea that you were, um, you really found your own way in terms of letting it go permanently. So you, you didn't beat yourself up about like drinking after a certain amount of time, then you were just kind of like, okay, yeah, like it, it felt really, and maybe you can talk about this more. I, I don't know that I'm even putting it in the right words, but it felt really, as I was reading it, like, oh, she really found her own way. Like she wasn't she wasn't trying to um, force something. You weren't trying to force this lifestyle into your life. You were just kind of accepting every step of the way that like, oh, this is right for me now. This is right for me now. And it ended up being that, okay, actually sobriety is right for me now, but that that involvement wasn't like you didn't set out to get sober necessarily.
1: Correct. I, I set out to change my life for the better. The fire that burned deep within that said, Lord, you've got to make a change. Like you can't keep spending every other Monday, um, with gut rot so hungover because you've been up till six in the morning. Um, you can't stay in the service industry. This is just so unhealthy for you. And that summer, before I got sober in July, I remember standing behind um, the bar, and also getting sober behind a bar is so incredibly hard, but it's one of the things that I cherish, and I'm really proud that I was able to do, but I, I was eating a protein bar, and I thought to myself, I really wish this was packed with greens, and I knew that there wasn't any other company on the market that did that, so I said, I guess I'll have to just do it myself, which is great, but... I'm going to have to get rid of alcohol if I'm going to want to start this business and I'm going to need to change my life for the better and really dig deep within myself to become the person that I know that I I knew was in there. And that was really a lot of my driving force to stay sober. Uh, Last summer, I would have 19 hour days between bartending and working the farmer's markets and I'd have little sleep. And so alcohol crossed my mind a lot because what do we do when we're tired or stressed? We reach for, you know, a glass of wine or vodka or something. Um, but I always knew that when I went to bed after a long day, I would wake up proud of myself for the fact of look at how far you've come. Like why, why reverse? Why go back? And It's been fantastic. I I realized that I was gay. Um, You know, when I got sober, which is huge, um, I've definitely figured out for me, you know, what's important in life. And it's the self care aspect, it's being present, it's being there for all of my friends, showing up, being able to share my story. I'm a pretty open book. Maybe a little nervous the first time getting interviewed for a podcast, but I, like I am, I love to share my story because so many people need to hear what others go through because while they may not relate to your story in its entirety, there's going to be something that that sparks you know their brain to say, oh my gosh, yeah, that, that was me and okay, cool, I, I can do this and I'm happy. For everything that I've been able to work on, and even after um, the struggles, a bit of after I started drinking again, to be like, okay, you tried it again, it's just really not something that needs to be a part of my life.
0: That's so awesome! I love that that intention. Like, I'm gonna set out to change my life for the better, rather than to set out and um, and whatever that ends up meaning. Like, if uh, because for me that um, I've been talking a lot about this idea of basically uh, positive emotion. And I know positive emotion or positive thinking can get a really bad rap, especially when it feels so far away um, from where you are mentally. So, but bear with me for a second. But the idea that like actually positive emotion, that changes our habits over the long term. And it's, it's scientific, Proven that actually positive emotion in regards to habit change is more effective and more causal than even length of time that you've done something right. And so when you when you set out to get sober, I mean even in the definition of sober, it's kind of like you know the definition itself is is. Um, I mean we'll have to just look it up, but but it's not it's not a positive thing necessarily. I think you can change sobriety into a really positive thing in your experience and in your life. But you set out to, to do that. And, um, and it doesn't necessarily feel good. But when you set out to say, no matter what, I'm going to change my life for the better, then you know that if that means that changing my life for the better, like whatever that means, it's going to be better. And right. so what I'm striving towards, what I'm looking for is the better on the other side of whatever it is holding me back from the better. And so sometimes I think so much of that is just like, you know, a reframe of like, okay, well, if that means that I get sober as a result of that, and that's what changes my life for the better. Great. I'm going to celebrate that. That's amazing. If I, if that means that I, you know, end up starting to exercise regularly, or if it means that I end up taking a meditation, or if it means that I start my own business and I really go down the entrepreneur route, like whatever it is, I want something more than this and that's what I'm holding on to. So I just really like that. I think that's very cool.
1: Thank you. And it, it meant a lot to me. Um, because that's the way my brain needed to focus on stuff. You know, having been in AA before and 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 in a, it's very much admitting that you're powerless. And I always have wanted to take responsibility for my actions. It was very important to me. And so changing the thinking power of, of to positivity, that I got this, like alcohol doesn't control me, I control alcohol, I control my life. I can do the inner work and I can do the changes that are, that are going to make me such a strong and, um, and motivating and inspiring individual. And so that's what I did. <laughs> and it wasn't easy, it takes a lot of work. Um, and I definitely, I wish that anyone who drinks, you know, regularly or semi-regularly Um, would really consider taking, you know, three, six, like, take a year off. I mean, it's a lot of work, but you really get to learn so much about yourself. And I will cherish every good day and hard day that I have had and that I will have because... I get to be my fullest Laura and me. I'm, I'm, there's nothing that clouds my judgment. There's nothing that makes me fuzzy inside. There's nothing that changes my views or thoughts or makes my brain go a little crazy because um, I'm just substance free.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Um, the definition, the synonyms that I, I just looked up. The definition and uh, you know be, to become more sensible, serious, and solemn. And I think that that obviously, like, we can we can make whatever we want out of the word. But I think when you're not sober, looking at it from the outside, looking in, you do have this idea that okay, that's not going to be fun. That's not going to be great, right? And then when you become, you're like, oh, this is great. And then you really want to, you know, cling to the title or become really proud of the title, perhaps. But I think that it's just really interesting that that wasn't your goal. That was your goal was really to make your life better. Um, the other question I had for you, Laura, was during during your journey, did you um, did you find it like how did you find it socially? You know, specifically.
1: Yeah, um, and back to just for a second ago when you were speaking, I know for me it took a bit to get to. Um, I was scared to not have alcohol in my life, and so that's one of the biggest um, issues and reasons I should say that that it took me so long to finally like make the last and final attempt that worked, which is awesome. But um, socially, I became a bit of a hermit. That was the easiest thing for me. Um, I love techno a lot and so going out to shows is so fun. But oftentimes, you know, there's shows that go till six in the morning and unless I'm on something like where I'm not able to stay up till six o'clock in the morning, it's just not gonna be a thing. <laughs> so um, I helped, I you know, I was very reserved. I, I stayed home a lot and then, And plus two, once I started the business, I really didn't have time to hang out. And I'm grateful the building that I live in, we have a front gated area and I'm very close with a lot of my neighbors. So for me, socializing really was sitting out front with my two dogs and hanging out with the girls. And sometimes I had to take my little butt back upstairs or go to the corner store and get some ice cream if they were all drinking. And I I was like, God, I I want alcohol right now. But I always knew The bigger picture is my company and my success will always um, be a bigger, bigger, take a bigger part of my life than alcohol ever needed to be. So alcohol just needed to be cleared out of the way. Lots of success will come because of that.
0: That's so good. That's so interesting. So also, so you touched on the fact that like through this whole journey, you realized you were gay and you're like, thank God, I, I now know this. This is fabulous. I can get on with my life. Yeah. Um, what role do you think alcohol played in? I don't want to put any words in your mouth for sure. this story. So I want you to just tell your own story, yeah. but what role do you think alcohol played in um, uh, that whole journey, I guess?
1: Absolutely clouded judgment, number one. Um, I had never really given myself the space and clarity in my brain. And so, and I think too, societally, um, it was, you know, hetero is is still for a lot of people like what you do, right? You know, you, um, and, and my mother was like, you'll find a nice man, one that can take care of you, you'll have some kids. And so for a long time, I wanted that to be the thing that I did. And so, Around month three of sobriety, I was um, seeing my crystal healer, and uh, she was amazing, also very helpful during sobriety, but there had been this, and I was telling her about this urge and this desire, like I needed to find my partner, Um, you know, I wanted a connection with someone on an intellectual, emotional, like physical level, but there was no sex type to it, and so... Fast forward to like crazy busy summer, no time to date anyway. Um, um, A friend of mine who is sober, she said to me one day, I think I'm going to try dating women. And I said, oh my gosh, good for you. And in my brain, like a light clicked off. And I was like, Laura, that's probably what you should also try. And that's probably what you've needed for a long time is that female energy. And so I got on Bumble and, um, met someone, didn't go well, which is fine, just scheduling all the things. And then I met Jen, my current girlfriend, and we will be coming up on eight months, I think. Yeah, eight months in June. And it's amazing. Um, And I really believe that because of just the partying and the drinking, there is not that space and time to dig into yourself to discover what you really need and who you truly are. I'm always me, right? I feel like, Drinking doesn't necessarily, like, it can change you. Yes, it can very much change certain people. But I was always me, always kind, friendly, loving, helping, um, the social butterfly, outgoing, bubbly, all the things. But it was, okay, got to find a man, got to find a man, got to find a man. But I, like, so many failed, you know, relationships with men. And I, the universe, I truly believe, wanted to, I don't want to say bless me, but basically put Jen in the forefront of my life and the same for her and she hadn't had all the the best relationships either and now she's like oh this is what real love is i love this This is i I finally found someone that clicks and works for me so i couldn't be happier it's something also that i wake up every day and i'm just so grateful that i realized what is what my heart and body and mind and soul really needed
0: That's so awesome. Yay. It's interesting because I, I feel like whether it's um, heterosexual or not, like this story is is prevalent and terrifying for people in a lot of, and especially people who have been in marriages and marriages that have children, right? Like I've had podcast guests, you know, same sort of thing, but they, they have a husband, they have children, and then they get sober and they realize, wow, you know, I've been drinking my way through heterosexual sex for
1: yeah. my entire
0: life, right? And, and like, that's the only reason it's been okay with me. And now that I'm not drinking, this is no longer okay with me. This isn't, this isn't who I am. And, um, but I think it happens in, in heterosexual marriages as well, where people come into it. And and I've had this happen recently where people have literally messaged me and been like, I'm so ready to change my relationship with alcohol, but I'm terrified because I think that if I'm sober, I won't be able to stay married to the person I'm married to. Mm -hmm. And, um, or I won't be able to stay in this relationship with the person that I'm in a relationship with. And it's so tough because we do have this idea that like, okay, at all costs, you have to protect that. You have to protect that relationship. Like that's so important. But, but is it really? I mean, if you're, if you already, if some part of you, and I know it can be so scary, but if some part of you is like already like, wow, I already know that sober, I can't handle what's going on. Like, hmm, is it really better to stay numb, to handle it, or is it really better to move past that and let the cards fall? And maybe they'll totally surprise you. I mean, maybe you'll get sober and be like, wow, I am even more in love with this person. I didn't even realize that I was holding myself back from all these emotions. But I think that fear specifically keeps people stuck, which is is fascinating and interesting to me, like the fear that if I stop, I won't be able to be in this love relationship anymore. Some part of me knows that
1: it's a disservice um, in my humble opinion to stay stuck um, in a life that may not be serving you. And uh, again, you know, I was single during this whole thing. So I don't, I didn't have the husband and the kids, so I can't really attest or speak to those emotions, to those feelings, what that process is like. But what I can say is that if you're drinking regularly and you're unsure about your relationship with alcohol and just how your life is in general, Take that huge, crazy, big step and try sobriety and try life without alcohol because the clarity that you'll receive, while not easy and maybe sometimes hard to swallow, in the end, it's going to be the best for you, for your family, for your children, in my humble opinion, I think. So I just think, yeah, I think it's a disservice and I I want everyone to experience what you have, Annie, and what I have found and what so many others have found from reevaluating life with alcohol. It's not needed for every emotion or event.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think no matter what, what emotion you're running from, whether it's fear of a love relationship not working or fear of social anxiety, or, you know, just the discomfort of having to sit with a traumatic event that may have happened in your life or, um, even the discomfort of boredom. I mean, so many people say like, oh, well, I, I don't know how I'm going to handle the boredom or I don't know how I'm going to handle that minute of laying in bed and and just not being able to just pass out, right? Not drinking enough to where I kind of fall into bed. And, you know, I'm not technically passing out, but I don't have to worry about falling asleep because actually falling asleep creates a lot of anxiety for me. And, and there's so many reasons that we give ourselves to stay stuck. And, and I guess I would just really echo what you're saying, Laura, is that, no matter what the reason is is it going to get harder in the middle yes is it going to get more intense yes but are you going to come out of it feeling like so proud of yourself because you sat with that emotion because you rose to that emotion and by the way in most cases of people that i've talked to thousands of people now yeah. the fear of the emotion the fear of the outcome is worse than the outcome itself right like when you and and by the way when you aren't drinking when you aren't kind of adding in this anxiety chemically into your body, which alcohol does, and you aren't kind of adding in this, um, you know, self-loathing and this internal argument of both wanting to drink more and less at the same time, and all of the internal fighting and drama that causes, like when you aren't doing all those things, you surprise yourself with how strong you are to be present in those emotions, to say, okay, I have this emotion. I'm going to go into it instead of run away from it. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to use it as a map, use it as a guide, and I'm going to be open to the outcome. Um, And I think you have to kind of have this fundamental belief almost that even if this path is hard, even if this journey is hard, those things nudging at you, those little voices that say, oh, well, what if, and I'm so afraid and all that stuff, like they're nudging at you for a reason. Like those things, you know, the, it, I imagine it like, I imagine it like a, um, a balloon. My, my kids love to have balloons in the hot tub, right? And they love to push them down and you can push it down, but it takes energy and it takes effort. And eventually it's going to pop up anyway. And why not just say, okay, I'm going to let this up yeah. And I'm going to see what it really is. And if that means I change my life, then then that's a good thing. But again, I think it's going back to your, you know, I want to change my life for the better. And if that path is going to be hard, then I'm going to accept that that path is going to be hard um, because I'm going to come out the other end and, you know, I don't know what's going to be, I don't know how it will look different, but I can promise you that being true to yourself is really where the life is, right? It's really where the joy is, you know?
1: And there's so many resources, too, for people you know, who are scared to take however big or small of a step um, you know, to figure out the ways to cope with the emotions and do the things, whether it's therapy or a certain sobriety course. Um, you know, there's your book. I had Holly. I had Laura as well, and I took her course for a little bit. So it's, I just hope for anyone listening you know, that is curious and is questioning their relationship with alcohol. Question it hard, there's a ton of resources out there for you, like you will not um, well, you may fail like it, it, I think it's inevitable. we all try to get sober right and then there's going to be failure it's, it's a thing it happens and that's fine and embrace that learn from it, but don't fear don't have any fear there's I mean you have your books and your podcasts, and it's fantastic and people just have to go for it. do it
0: so <laughs> yeah, So good it's, so good.
1: Thing, but it's worth it. <laughs>
0: So um, your your business, can you say where people can find you and, and if they're
1: interested? Absolutely. So um, Greens Gone Wild is a spinach-packed um, vegan protein bar company, shelf-stable, and um, we pack a lot of spinach into our protein bars, which is great. Um, we are currently sold out. Um, I actually, we had a little bit of stock left before the pandemic hit us, and I got through those and then we are hoping to get to a co-packing manufacturing facility in Broomfield um, and take our business to the next level. And we were at Hotel Teatro. Um, we were at both Corner Beats and Prosper Oats and um, Milk Market, which was really amazing. So we're on a bit of a break right now. I am currently writing a business plan so that I can hope um, so I can hopefully secure us some venture capitalist money. Um, for a big bank loan. We'll see what happens. And yeah, but we will, we, we are coming back. Like my business is not going anywhere. I definitely want to expand into granola, into, um, protein shakes with spinach, like actual healthy ones that aren't just full of sugar and, um, also protein powder. So we have a lot of big things coming for Greens Gone Wild. Um, you can definitely check us out online at greensgonewild.com. And I do have, um, three pre-sale items up there and it was really great during the pandemic i was able to raise some pre-sale money um, so that if we do need to go back to the production we currently um, had prior to it's doable but I really want us to go to the next step. I feel like it's been a year now and we're ready. my business partner and I are like, let's just go, let's just make the big big leap and and take the jump. And it's it's scary, but it's good. And I know it'll work out like it's supposed to. So we can go from just producing, you know, 3000 bars in a shift to hopefully 20,000 in a day, because why not? We had success with um, people loving our flavors and buying our products, so. So awesome. And we're on social media too, of course, eat Um, Greens Gone Wild.
0: (laughs) Very cool. That's so cool. Um, And I had one. They're very good. Uh, I really enjoyed it. So yeah, it's nice just to like get something that isn't so, it's like protein, but without the heaviness. I really like plant-based protein. Same.
1: Thank you. And I'm a huge fan of spinach. I love my greens. So
0: it does not taste like spinach. I mean, I do love the taste of spinach, but the bar did not taste like spinach. It tastes delicious. Um, so let me ask you the question that I always ask kind of at the end, which is, you know, if you were going to go back and tell Laura, you know, who's bartending and struggling and, you know, in the whole midst of it about what life is like now, what would you tell her?
1: Yeah, I would definitely tell her to slow down, take lots of good deep breaths and wake up every morning and ask yourself, what do you want to do today? And how do you want to be perceived? And I was definitely perceived as such a party girl back in the day. And I love that that's not me anymore. Um, And that life is fantastic and it does not need to involve alcohol.
0: So good. So awesome. (laughs) Love it. Well, thank you so much, Laura. It's been such a joy and a pleasure to get to know you more and hear your story. So thank you for joining me.
1: Yes, thank you for having me. It's an honor, as I said in the beginning. I apologize for my nerves. This is the first time that I've um, been asked to do something like this. And, and, and I will say, too, when I left um, the bookstore that evening, I was jumping up and down. And just it was literally the universe saying, remember that decision you made like a long time ago to get sober? Congrats, you. Like that was the best thing you could have ever done for yourself. And and these are the moments that are the wonderful reminder of why I did what I did and for all the hard work that I got to put in. So thank you for also inspiring everyone and doing what you do, because I can't even count how many people's, how many lives you've changed.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, that was a really fun night. It was funny that they totally had to close the doors. So there was all these people outside, you included, I guess, on the street, yep. which so crazy um and then and i'm just really thankful that got to happen i mean i feel like that was in early march so it was literally weeks before or days before everything shut down so we wouldn't have even been able to do that so it was great that it it happened like it did so
1: yes
0: so cool all right well have a great day we'll talk
1: well thank you so much bye
0: bye Have you tried the alcohol experiment? Okay, if not, drop everything and go to thisnakedmind.com forward slash experiment. This free 30-day challenge is designed to interrupt your patterns and put you back in touch with the best version of you. You remember it was that version of you that's living your most joyful life, the version that doesn't need alcohol to relax or to have a good time and is having more fun than ever. And again, this is a totally free challenge that will change everything for you. So learn more and join me 100% free at thisnakedmind.com forward slash experiment.